in my mind, I know what I've, what I've experienced. And I know the difference between having peace and not having peace. And I know when I didn't have peace, what I didn't have. And I know when I have peace, I know what I have. That's Evan Malone. Today, he shares his experience of God's pursuit of him through success, accomplishments, atheism, and alcoholism. And what he's discovered is the truth of genuine faith. Welcome to A Stronger Faith, a podcast where everyday people share real experiences that transform their faith. I'm your host, Stacy McCants, and we pray that God uses this conversation to move you in your pursuit of a stronger faith. Today, Evan Malone opens up to reveal what drove him to atheism and the spiritual truths that ultimately led him to Jesus. That's why I wanted to get you here because I thought it was such a good story. It's uh, it's really a story of 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 searching for truth and spirituality and you know converting from atheism to Christianity and um I think people need to hear that. So um we're gonna kinda jump into that. Uh I guess the first question would have to be how did you how'd you land on atheism? How did you come to be Yeah. How'd you start out there? So yeah, so so first off I just want to say thanks for having me. Um prayed a lot about like you know, um, God just speaking through me this morning and cause you're right. Cause a lot of it is very personal, you know, that there will be people who will listen to this and I don't know, you just think about it a lot, but, um, just want to, um, you know, just want to talk a little bit about, you know, just, you know, how much prayer in my life has helped me, uh, with that, you know, and, and, and doing that and just really trying to tell my story and be as honest as possible with people. But back to your question. So with, um, so when I think back on, like, my early life, I sort of grew up in a household, didn't really, you know, um, never went to church, and I just, I just never believed in anything. You know, it wasn't, you know, I had a lot of friends who would, you know, who I would, you know, I would go to church with, or, you know, who would talk about God and all these kind of things, and, but I just... I just never really thought one way or the other about it until I got to, you know, until I was about a teenager. And then that's when I started thinking like, wait a minute, you know, I started trying to have some rational thought and think about, you know, does God exist? You know, this person that I've never met, you know, this person that's never, you know, you know, like you hear, you know, the, this, you know, booming voice in the sky kind of thing. And, and, and it was more of, Hey, I need, I need proof because I didn't really have anybody talking to me about this you know, except for friends and, you know, just different things. There wasn't anybody who really necessarily, you know, I guess reached out to me or anything like that. And so I just went the way of like science. I mean, it was more about proof. It was more about what, you know, is, is there, if I'm, if I'm thinking about, um, what is it that I'm trying to, uh, you know, um, like I can see all this proof of all these other things, but, I don't see proof of God. And then I think it developed more into seeing the pains of people, you know, just seeing everybody's problems and seeing, you know, all these different, all these bad things that would happen. And I would think, and I would hear, you know, from the very limited, you know, um, interaction I would have with people, 
it would be, you know, hey, no, like, because what I would hear is on one side from the people who were Christians that I, you know, that I knew um, who were, you know, really my friends. And I guess we're not probably the best, uh, you know, I guess communicators on this, but it would be more like, um, hey, you know, God loves you. And if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to the bad place, right? You're going to hell. And then on the other side, I guess I was thinking of, I was like, well, wait a minute. So God loves you, but he has all these bad, but like all, but he lets all these bad things happen to you. Right. The worst of which is sending people to hell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. And, 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 and to that point, one of the other things that I think that was probably one of the hardest. So, so it was, so I think it's two parts. The first part is that what I was talking about, how, why would God who, who loves us, you know, from all my buddies who were telling me all this stuff, you know, hey, if this God who loves us, he lets all these super terrible things happen. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about things like car wrecks and, you know, death and cancer and, you know, just all, all the above. But then I think the thing that was much worse for me, at least in my mind, was him sending people to hell who, who, who had never even had the chance because I would ask people that I'd say, well, wait a minute. What about this? You know, the indigenous tribes of Indonesia who it's literally illegal to go to some of these places because the Indonesian government will not let, you know, because they're, you know, they try to protect these tribes. I was like, what about those people? Like they're, they're going to hell. Yep. I'm like, like, why? Like that makes like to me. So it wasn't even about the science part, right? It wasn't even about like, Hey, I need proof. It wasn't even about that. It was just about your story that you're telling me about your God does not jive with what it's like. I can't fit even your story together, right? You'd say that there's just God that loves everybody, but he's going to send well over half the planet to hell to this place that is in, you know, from your own, you know, story is the worst place ever. I mean, and it's not even close. Like, I mean, it's like, I can't even, you know, it's like, it's like whatever you can describe as the worst place. It's like 10 times of infinite times worse than that. Right. And I just couldn't like that. That was so hard for me to like, to reconcile that. It's like, why would this happen? You know? um, And that, that probably was a, and look, and I will say this, that I would, if, if somebody engaged me in this, in these conversations, I would fight back. Well, you but know, I, uh, from what I understand, yeah. uh, your dad was in science, and so you probably were taught to think mm-hmm. in, in, in a scientific way. And, and I, I know just myself hanging out with my buddies after it, you know, it got dark or whatever um, in the summertime, you know, just talking about, wait a minute what about dinosaurs and what about this and how can in your brain begins to open up to, you know, eternity and how things don't seem to make sense. How much science was there in this? And I would think that when you would get critical and, and, and kind of come back with an argument against some of these things, probably some of that was your, this was a natural thing, not just for you, somebody who was raised to think critically, um, but anybody does that in their teenage and formative years and then into their 20s into college and hopefully for the rest of their lives. But it begins back then. 
where you begin to think, um, I, I need to, this needs to at least make a little bit of sense to me. How much it was of it was science? Yeah, a lot of it was. So you're right. My, yeah. So my dad was, uh, so my dad was a scientist. And so I, I guess I just naturally, you know, he never, um, he was not someone who was trying to teach me, you know, necessarily about God's not there. He just, you know, he just wasn't going to, um, you know, you sort of let me make up my own decision on that. And so a lot of it was, and I don't know, like, I think that when I think about, um, look, one thing is, is that I, uh, I sometimes struggle. I do think struggle talking about this because I feel like I'm, I don't want anybody to, uh, like hear my hear my arguments and be like, oh, that's a good point. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm trying to drive you the other way. Well, you know? <laughs> I, I'm going to get to those questions of right, how right. you got to the other side, but yeah. I, I yeah, do yeah. want to extract yeah. those points. I want you to say, you know, I don't, that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So yeah. So you're right. So um, just take. There are so many things that. So I remember there was a. Um, if you remember from the, uh, I can't remember who it was, but I remember hearing somebody talk about how the Earth was only. 4,000, if you go, if you know, if you go off the, off the old, old Testament translation of the, you know, the, the earth is 4,900 and, you know, something, and, and, and we know for a fact that, that, um, it, it is, it, it is older than that, right? Um, you talk about in the old Testament now in, in the new Testament, it's much, much harder to, you know, to come up with these contradictions, but the old Testament's full of them, right? You know, one of them was that God built the earth in seven days. And, you know, you go back and you look at that and you realize, but I will say that, you know, what, where I have reconciled on a lot of those things is that, so what is a day? Like a, a day to us is different than what it, what, you know, what it might be to God. You know, that is just our translation from him. Right. But yes. So I would have those problems, you know, the dinosaurs, like you brought up, that was a huge one for me because, you know, you're sitting there and you're thinking about it and you think, so the earth is 4,900 years old. But we have, you know, these fossils that are buried, you know, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 feet deep. Like that didn't happen over 4,900, you know, over 4,900 years. Um, and then, you know, when you start to do some of the, you know, carbon dating, you can see it's, you know, they're basically 60, 65 million years old or whatever it is. And so that kind of stuff is is where you, you know, you start to realize that, you know, that those something is not. Right. And, and, and so I don't know if it was like for science, for me, it wasn't, um, yes, there, so it, there was a lot of contradictory stuff in the Bible, but I think the science was more about the proof. Like it's actually yeah. seeing it. Like I need to see it. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I need it. I have to know. So one of the, uh, and then I, and, and I'll never forget when I was, um, when I was in, uh, college, if I was, if I was sort of, you know, like narrowing my story down to, you know, to sort of when things kind of tripped over, you know, I, I think I had two sort of, you know, sort of turning points. And the first one was when I was in college, I was watching this movie called Contact. And in this movie, there's this. So if you don't know the movie, uh, it's basically Jodie Foster is a scientist and there's Matthew McConaughey, who is a minister. And they're, you know, in contact, they get this. Um, they get contact from another world and it's basically this transmission from somewhere that they don't really know. And it's a, it's how to build this machine. Right. And it's this machine to like how to, how to, how to visit this other place, whatever it is. Anyway, well, she's a scientist and she's an atheist and she's, you know, and 
you know, it, it goes, there's a, there's a big part in the first of the, of the movie where how much she loves her dad and how close she was to her dad. And her father passed away from a heart attack when she was really young. Anyway, so they're sitting there one night and they're just kind of looking up at the stars. And she asked, you know, Matthew McConaughey, she was like, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. They're sitting there and they're talking. And he said, um, you know, he, he looks at her and they're talking about, you know, he's like, you really don't believe? And she goes, no, she goes, I, you know, I need proof. I'm a scientist. I need like proof. And he, you know, he looks at her and he goes, did you love your father? And, you know, she looks at him just incredulously, like, of, like, of course, how, you know, how dare you say that? And he, he said, prove it. And, you know, I don't know why, but it just, that always chokes me up because I just, it was like, that was a turning point in my life that I realized that there are things that you cannot prove. I mean, and, and, and before then I just thought, Hey, everything is proof, right? Everything. And like, like I, I can prove everything. And then that's when it dawned on me that you can't prove that you love someone, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that I love my mother, right. That I, you know, at the time that, you know, that I love my, uh, I, you know, I love my father. I love, and now I love my wife. I love my kids, right? I, I could never prove that to you or anyone, but I would argue till the day is, you know, till the day's done that, it, that I love them. And so that's when it sort of, I was like, huh, well, maybe there are things that I can't prove. And that was just a tremendous shift for me. It just really was. I, I, don't, I don't, I just think it, it that was that was God putting something in my life, which is, um, you know, at the time I had no clue, really. I mean, I, I don't even think I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, um, I guess I kind of understood it. But uh, uh, look, looking back on it, I didn't realize what a, you know, um, what a watershed moment that was. Um, I remember that movie and I remember that scene and uh, I, I, I like that movie. I, I guess McConaughey was the pastor. He, I mean, he played a pastor in that and she was the scientist. And I remember that look of bewilderment on her face when he said that. And um, I remember that being a powerful scene. It's interesting that it had that kind of impact. It probably wasn't only you that it had that on. But, you know, I, I feel like the scientific community for decades has basically established or, or created an assault on faith. It's the faith part that they struggle with, right? They, they need, um, they need repeatable, um, behavior. They need, um, proof as you say. And lots of times they say, Hey, look, you're, you're kind of just living in some sort of fairy tale world. Um, when you have this faith and this, you know, creature or person that is all loving, that's going to take care of you and you pray to and stuff like that, it seems sort of, um, you know, naive, um, foolish, uh, immature, uh, not from intellect, um, a little superstitious, all those things. And um, I, that, that's a challenge for people of faith. And, and the further you get into your faith and more mature, you understand how, how it has to be that way. But it still is sort of a barrier to entry that people have to kind of get over when you are not a believer and have a critical 
mind and thinking in terms of science and that sort of thing. And it's easy to pick things out of the Bible and say, well, that's contradictory. I always look at those things and say, you know, the Bible is not really a science book. If you're looking for for proof there, I, I feel like the way that creation, for instance, is explained is the same way I would try to explain compound interest to my four-year-old. You know, you, I, if I got into the details of that, it, you would look at me like I don't even I don't even understand what you're saying. So, um, but it's the point of that is, hey, look, I created it. If I if I had to give you the details of that, it it, it would fill up more volumes than you could ever read in a lifetime, and it it's not even the point. Yeah, and you still wouldn't even get it. And you still wouldn't even get it if if, right. if God truly is an infinite intelligence. Right. There's no way he's going to dumb that down enough that we're going to be able to get it. And so, yeah. And and, and I, I know that there are also um, people talk about uh, the Hebrew interpretation of day and it not meaning a 24 hour interval. And and so, I, and I I'm no biblical scholar. I can't. Yeah, I done, don't don't come to me with um, you know no you're wrong about that. You you, you can and and I, that's fine. But but I I stopped reading that as overly literal and began to open my mind about possibilities and ways that that could be interpreted. And I always ask, Hey, is it possible that those are, um, not literal days? Is it possible that that's sort of a, a summation of kind of what happened? Is it possible that when we talk about Adam, I believe that actual word it translated is mankind versus a single person. So we have to be open, I think, about some of that stuff. And I get uh, discouraged sometimes when I hear people grab on to those things as, well, this is why I don't believe a God exists, because the things that the ways you have interpreted this ancient scripture um, cannot have already been disproven. So therefore God doesn't exist when the reality is people have just translated that over a long period of time into whatever way they have, I would say often incorrectly and, and would never really understand the big picture of those things or the, or the true picture of them. But I wonder what other things there were for you that I'm sure that was a piece of it. You've mentioned already the piece of it being, I don't understand how a loving God yep. can condemn people to hell that have not heard of him, that haven't acknowledged him and then openly rejected him, but just didn't even know. Were there other things yeah. that, that led oh, yeah. to that? Yeah. So one other thing that I would say too is, um, is that the, so, yeah. So I would hear, you know, so, you know, just going back to like Christians, you know, and this would, these were self-proclaimed Christians. Okay. I would, Probably looking back on it, maybe not, you know, um, classify them all as like Christians, but these are people who said they were Christians and I would see them do things that were horrible. It wouldn't even just be horrible. It would just be things that just didn't jive. They just weren't good people. You know what I mean? It would be like people, they just wouldn't leave a tip on like a, you know, I mean, for a server, Yeah. you know? And so I would get mad about that. I would almost think like, are, like, so it's either one or two things, right? For me in the, in those situations, when I would see this happen, is I would say, well, either they're lying and they're just posing, which would 
in, instead of making me mad at like them, it would make me mad at Christianity, you know, like, because they're, they're using Christianity as a crutch, which is really kind of silly thinking back on it. But, but like, but at the time, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, like in my mind, I guess I rationalize it as Christianity is giving them this sort of playbook of how to like manipulate people because they, you know, they use it when they want. Right. Cause I would see people, they would say, Oh, well, you know, um, you know, to get people to be nice to them, they would talk, Oh, well, you know, God loves you. And let me, I'm going to pray for you and all this kind of stuff. And then you would turn around and they would, you know, they'd be, you know, not letting people in traffic or cutting it, you know, cutting the line. I don't even, it doesn't even have to be horrible things, right? It's just like things that just a decent human being is supposed to do just stuff innately, you know, like I'm not supposed to cut in line. I'm supposed to pay people. I'm supposed to like, you know, um, you know, pay my debts, you know, all those kinds of things, you know? Um, and then I think, um, and I guess probably the other one. So I was, I was saying it was either that, or it was just like, is there like a flaw in Christianity? Like, so they just get to, they get to act however they want. And then they just go get to say they're sorry. And they're atoned. Yeah, I mean, you know, for their sins. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like, and I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense to me either. And so, um, I remember uh, I was talking to somebody one time and they, you know, they were, I was, I was talking to them about this and uh, about, and, and, and I guess I'm, I'm, I'm already trying to reconcile some of those things. But when I think about those situations, um, God and Jesus, they don't like, they don't look at that and think that's okay either. You know what I mean? Like I was thinking he's sort of turning a blind eye or, you know, or, um, you know, it doesn't matter. I guess the problem is, is that like, like just because those things happen doesn't mean that that should shake your faith, right? Just because you see these things happen. Um, yeah, but I can also see that you would see that stuff and yeah. say, that's, is that what, is that what faith is? Is that what following Jesus looks like? And if yep. that's the case, I, I, I don't, I don't think I want to be a part of that. I, I wonder, as I'm listening to this, I wonder if you're, if your struggle or your difficulty or your objection was with what is displayed in our culture of Christianity and the behavior of Christians and what could be misinterpretations of scripture, or was it just, I I can't, I mean, that's nice and all, but I don't believe that an actual God exists. You guys have made a bunch of stuff up to, to keep our culture morally sound. Yeah. Look, there, there's no doubt that I thought, hey, there was a that was a way for people back a long time ago to sort of get people in line. You know, it a, it's like a, but it's kind of like I was, I don't know, like I just didn't feel like I really needed God. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was just mm-hmm. and and so when I went to search, it was like all the evidence was pointing to where like these are you know Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Or they're just, they're just blind. Right. I was like, because this doesn't, because none of it makes sense to me. You know I mean? And and I, and when I looked at all those different things of, you know, uh, so the God you talk about doesn't, you know, doesn't, isn't, isn't the person who, you know, who you say he is because of all the bad stuff, um, you know, because of this, um, you know, because it, of, of the Old Testament and a lot of the, you know, just the, you know, the, you know, the science doesn't add up. There's no a- actual physical proof all the uh, hypocrisy I see within people in the church that I know. I don't know, like all those sort of things said, well, 
I mean, that's not something that, that, because faith is not, I mean, and, and, and we like, and I know this now, I know, and, and I know you know this now, but it's not something that you, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's not super rational. It just isn't. It's not something that I rationalize to be like, okay, this is how this is. It's like the story of like, it's just a feeling. And to be honest with you, um, and I know this was, I know this was God's plan and I'm not, uh, I'm obviously not mad at anybody because I know my life turned out exactly like God wanted it to, but he didn't put anybody in my life that led me to God at those times. And maybe that's why I'm sitting here now in front of you and telling this story is so I could tell people, you know, and be, you, you know, this be part of my story is like the first half of my life was godless. And like I said, like, I would argue with people, but I wasn't, I wasn't like part of some sort of, you know, uh, like movement or anything. Now, yeah. now, now don't get me wrong. If, if there was somebody who wanted to talk to me about it, I, I would argue with them and I would bring up every argument and I would feel like I was coming away a winner. Like, How, like th- those are the things I want to know. Yeah. When somebody came and, and, and opened this door. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times people that are not of faith yep. have a much easier time than they ought to in those debates with people of faith. Yep. But so, yeah. So what, what are uh, some yeah. of the things that you would say in that one? What would come up in those that you would, what were your like go to money arguments? Yeah. I think probably the, probably the, the one, I, and this is when I'll, I'll, this is an actual example of one that I remember. So I was talking to this guy and he was, you know, he was telling me about, you know, this, you know, that you're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. And I went, oh, okay, well, hang on. So you're telling me that if you don't have Jesus in your heart, it's automatic fail, right? It's like, it's, it's a binary. It's one or zero. You either have him in your heart and you're going to heaven. If you don't have him in your heart, you're going this way. And, and I said, so let me ask you a question. I said, so what about, and I brought up the Indonesian tribe, right? And I said, what about that? Or, you know, what about that Aboriginal, you know, tribe in Australia that has never seen the Bible? And I said, they're going to hell. And he told me something about how the leaves rustle and he, um, you know, the leaves rustle and the Bible is shown to him through. And I said, wait a minute. So you're telling me that like the wind blows and all of a sudden he, he thinks of this person named Jesus and, and he died on this cross for our sins. I was like, like that was the worst argument I'd ever heard. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was sitting there and I, I was like, it was like laughable to me. But one of the things is that, I don't know if this is the right um, sort of way to say this, but if you're ever talking to somebody like that, you can't come at, at them with that sort of argument because they will like, it, it's not that they will win the argument. It's that they, you will, you will never get through to them through, you know, through those means. Because they've done all those. I mean, like, you know, people who are uh, who are atheists, like, they've done that thinking as long as the day is, mm-hmm. right? And so you're not going to, like, you know, you, you're just not going to, like, get through to someone like that, right? Um, so right after he, he told me about the leaves rustling and, and, and God showing us through nature, um, which— on a, on a sidebar, I think he got that scripture wrong. I think what he was saying was, was that God does show himself through nature, right? Like, that's why I like being in the woods. Like, I, 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 I like to trail run. And, you know, being in the woods is spiritual for me. I love it. I think, you know, because God created all those things. And so, and I think that's like, 
it's kind of funny that that ver him him saying that to me has sort of come full circle for me because I'm like, oh well, now I love to trail run, and maybe that's why that's why God put that verse, you know, put that in my life. Yeah, you've experienced yeah. God in that place, and, yeah, and yeah. I get that too, but he didn't articulate that super well. But That's it, right. but it also doesn't get to Jesus, and right, the, that point is legitimate. Yep. Um. And 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 if we want to get into it later, I can definitely talk about you know um, if you ever get into that argument of things you you know should or shouldn't say. But the other thing that I would tell, and the other thing I told him was, is uh, and this is kind of a graphic. Uh, this is kind of a graphic. Um, way to tell this. So if you have little kids who are listening, this might be to turn it down for just a second. But basically I was saying, so in World War II, you're telling me that that kid who got his skull bashed in by the Nazi, he is going to hell because he was Jewish. And that Nazi goes home and atones and says he's sorry for the things he did. And he's going to heaven. I was like, like what, what world are we living in? And that goes back to my argument of like, that's that God doesn't seem like the right I won't say that that God does not jive with the God you're that that you're talking about to me. And that's where, you know, so in those two arguments, it's like, um, I mean, obviously, I, I know the difference now, but at the time, you know, nobody would like I didn't have anybody telling me different. You know, they were just trying to argue. Well, because I just I, I mean, obviously, this guy just didn't know any better. Um, but you're sounding like you're debating the interpretation of Scripture. Right. More so than than maybe right. the existence of a creator and yep. infinite intelligence and infinite goodness, I, I would I would side with you on some of those arguments against that being a mis or or for that being a misinterpretation of scripture. Right? Were there specific arguments you you would point to that would say that this is why I don't believe a supreme intelligence called God exists. No, cause I just don't think I knew scripture at all. I mean, you didn't look at things and say, Hey, look, there were particles that have always existed that happened to coalesce and created an explosion that over billions of years eventually formed habitable planets, which naturally formed life there was no creator that did that. That was just a natural thing, right? And um, could you debate the moral law? Think of C.S. Lewis and, and some of his arguments there and the fact that we all seem to have this sense of right and wrong that goes beyond just what we've developed in culture and society that's sort of innate in, in, in humans especially. Was there anything like that that that, that you said, hey, um, this is why I don't believe that there is a creator, a God? Or so are you saying that um, because I saw so, because because there were so many things that were proven scientifically that were different than Scripture in the Bible, or you're a saying of, that? Well, yeah, a lot, and, and that could be it. But a lot of things that you've talked about so far have been debating the rules that God has in place right. seems to have in place. Right. You couldn't get on board with the rules. doesn't make sense that a loving God would send all these people to hell. That doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. That right. means you just disagree with him. Right. Yeah. Right. See what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Is yeah, there yeah. anything that you would say that said, Hey, look, this is why I don't think an actual God creator 
exists. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, that's funny. I've actually never really thought about it exactly in those terms. But I think for me, it was just, it was just statistically out of the realm, right? It was like, there, um, I don't even know how to, like, I don't even know how to put it, I guess. Um, I guess I just thought that because there are so many things that you can't explain that happen, right? That, you know, that we know we can go back and we can explain all these things happened and, um, and increases the more science evolves, right? Yeah, the more things we right. can explain that's and right. that some interpret to this is why there is no God. We, we, we've explained how that happened and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a supreme intelligence that right. caused that. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's right. It was, um, I guess I just thought that no, no, but, but honestly, like, I mean, that is a great question. I've actually never, thought about it specifically like that because when I'm really trying to interpret it in my mind I I really think that so much of it came back to um and I think this is you know I think this is why I have made the transition is is part of it is because I just thought well the you know the god that people in the Christian faith talk about like it just like there's so many discrepancies from the bible to what we know happened, right? Scientifically, we know all these things happen. We know these things are out there. Um, it just seemed, I, I, I guess, honestly, if I was trying to, so if I'm trying to boil down just an answer into that question, it would be, it would have just been the biggest coincidence in the history of the universe is the way I thought about it, is that all these things just seem to happen to get to this place that, and, 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 you're telling me that this that this person, you know, this this being, this thing out there created all this. I just thought like that just I just I can't get around thinking that that if that person is all powerful and all knowing. So let's you know, so in my mind I would do that hypothetical, right? This person is all powerful and all knowing. Why would he have done it this way? You know, why would he have given us all these diseases and all this suffering and all these things. And, and, and I would say, well, it's because he doesn't, it's because he didn't, because he doesn't exist. Mm. Right. Yeah. I can see that. And so I don't, I I don't know if it was, um, I just think, I don't think the scientific part of it honestly was why is where it started with me of like saying, um, it was just, it was really good backup for me. It was when I was, so it was like when I would start to look for, for, for reasons of where does God exist or does he not? You look in the scientific community, which is, you know, which is how I was raised. It's not, it just isn't right. I mean, it's just, it's you, you will come very quickly to conclusions in the scientific community that God doesn't exist. Yeah, so let's go into the contradictory part of like the scientific world. So the scientific world is also got to be contradictory, contradictory to me as well. So like, let's take the part where now, you know, I've seen that movie and I'm starting to have this shift, and God is starting to work on me um, unknowingly to me. Um, you know, you start to realize that so science is really just a it's it's really just interpretation. That that's it's the exact same. I mean, like if you really think about it, it's like. 
it's 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 a bunch of information that you get that you that people read over and they regurgitate to others and and you decide whether you want to believe it or not you know and i started realizing i was like well how is that i mean like <laughs> i know this is crazy but like how is that that much different that you know at the time i'm like how is that different than the bible because if you think about like all scientists are doing is they are they are um basically having all these experiments right they're they're you know they'll 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 create this experiment they'll run the experiment and then they tell us within a i mean like a 0.0000000001% of what's going to happen the next time this happens but they really have no clue how it happens i mean and and you can go i mean there are thousands of examples when you start really going through it and i'm not trying to I'm not trying to say that, you know, that science is, is wrong because science is, has done tons and tons of good for the human race. But what I am saying is that it's really just the same thing. It's just, it's just, it's just saying, Hey, this is, this is a, this is just an interpretation and I can tell you exactly what's going to happen, but I don't know why. I don't know why it's going to happen. Like for instance, gravity, they can predict that for, you know, you know, they could, find some planet that's, you know, 4.6 million light years away and they know about how much mass it has so they can tell you exactly what the gravitational pull is going to be on that planet and if we had to run, you know, like I mean think about like when we, you know we went to the moon like they knew exactly what the gravitational pull would be so how to how they were going to have to get out of the moon, you know, all that stuff. But they really don't know. I mean even, you know, even recently, I think it was in 2012, they found the Higgs boson particle in the in one of those large particle accelerators, which they, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, as part of what, you know, it's a particle that can be part, you know, can what can create or be what is causing gravity. But, and they, they're like, Hey, we found it. Okay. That's awesome. I love it. Look, I, I still love it. And I still follow that stuff. And I still think it's fascinating, but I think it's fascinating because like, like that's part of this, that's part of God's world. It's it, part of the design. That's right. And it's fascinating to me because you start to realize like, it's like, I don't know. Now I sit there and I kind of think about hopefully when I get to heaven, <laughs> um, that I, I, I'll know what all that stuff is. You know, it'd be cool. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I might get up there and I'll say, no, that's still above your pay grade. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Like um, it's still just a bunch of interpretations. And I just think it's funny that, it's like, uh, you know, I heard this argument one time and it talked about, it said, wait a minute. It says, you're going to, says, you know, they were asking him about, you know, about this, 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 this science, you know, cause it was like a difference between faith and science. And, and this guy said something about, um, he goes, well, no, but like it's scientific fact. We know that all these things happen. And he goes, wait a minute. He says, you took, um, he said, you, he goes, you're going off of a book that you read. Have you looked at the data? He says, no, I'm just. I'm just going off what these other people say. And he goes, oh, he goes, so you are, you are taking on, dare I say, faith of what somebody else said. You know what I mean? And you're right. like, huh. And it's amazing the similarities. When you start to look at them, like the similarities are pretty similar. But, but, but even go to the point where like say, no, I did pour over the data. Okay, well, then tell me where all that came from, right? You know, the, uh, the other argument was, I'd heard people, you know, talk about, you know, so, you know, everybody's heard of the Big Bang, right? So mm -hmm. the universe started in this one singularity and it's basically expanding. And so 
but and 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 they can tell you it's crazy. Like they can tell you what happened up until like like I can't remember how many fractions it is, but it's like fifteen, you know, fifteen decimal points before they can tell you what happened. But they can't tell you anything that happened before that. They have no clue what happened. I said, well, you know, you know, so you get into argument and say, well, who created, you know, so look, so, you know, so God created the Big Bang, right? And they say, well, yeah, but, but that's basically just this, you know, one of the thoughts is that it's, it's expanding and contracting. It's just been doing this for, for, for whenever, right? And he said, so it's like, it's just a circle. So there was no start. And I'm like, well, well, who put that circle there? I mean, you know what I mean? You can always go back. That's right. To what caused that. Yeah. And and for me, that's that's where I get into the foundation of my own belief in God. Yeah, because if you think, because then what happens is you get into the argument of, so if you say that about the circle, somebody could easily come back to you and go, well, well who created the person who, who created the circle, right? And then you become this chicken or egg. Well, the, that, so the, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There can only be one yep. final, infinite right. being. Yes. And so that, right. That's, and that's what I was saying was that like, you go back to, and you think like exactly what you just said. It's like, well, what, what makes more sense there? Like, I mean, just honestly, like, right. I mean, if you're just saying like, let's take your faith, take your religion, take your spirituality out of it. Scientifically, what makes more sense? And to me, it makes more sense for it to be a, a you know, a, a Supreme, I, you know, we say Supreme being, but uh, obviously I know that, you know, we're created in his image, but he's obviously very, very, very different than us. Right. And, and, and I, I say being, cause that's the only thing I know, but you know, it's like we, I don't know. A person. Yeah. It, 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 we just it, have no understanding. No. And this being as a creator, we believe created yep. not just matter, mm-hmm. but, but, but space itself, yep. time itself, energy itself. Yeah. So he would necessarily have to exist beyond that. Yeah. So that's a hard thing for us to to imagine. Yeah. Um, but it it does explain some things yep. as well. So did you get to this place, or is, are these places that you've kind of gotten to since you yeah. you began to evolve spiritually? I mean, you talked about the realization, the the moment when you realized that you couldn't prove everything, and it kind of it kind of diminished the scientific argument for you because not everything can be yeah. proven. And I feel like a door got kicked open for you there where you really began to even question the scientific, you know, what that, the fact that that's even faith. Yeah. So and, I think that door was opened, but I didn't walk through it for many years. That door was cracked open there a little bit because what ended up happening then was, um, so, look, I was, uh, you know, a, a big part of my story is that I'm an alcoholic. Um, and, you know, I've been recovered for five years. So, you know, praise God there. But I was um, I was always the person in college who was I was going to be the drunkest person at the party. Right. I was going to be the person who was, you know, is as inebriated as possible. And um, and then as things happened, you know, and, and look, uh, Alcohol was a coping mechanism for me because as, as life gets further, you have more responsibilities, you have more problems, right? You have, and, and look, and my problems weren't any different really than anybody else's, right? Um, I I didn't have, you know, I wasn't homeless. I wasn't, 
um, you know, destitute. I, I didn't, you know, I just had normal problems, right? It was like, Hey, you know, um, like at work, you know, you have a tough problem at work or you get home and you're, you know, in a bad mood and you get in a fight with your wife, right? It's just normal, just everyday problems. And I was using alcohol too much. And then I think what really probably tipped it for me was, so when my brother passed away, um, so he passed away, he was 36 years old. He died of a heart attack and, uh, I was 28 and, and I, I just started like, I remember the night, um, I was sitting there and I'd had a couple of beers and it was, that had happened, you know, because at, at the time it was when I drank, I drank as much as I could possibly drink, but I didn't drink every night. Um, matter of fact, I mean, there would be times where I wouldn't even have any alcohol in the fridge, but I would have those couple of beers and I could feel my pain release. And I even remember telling myself, this is a really bad road to go down. You don't need to go down it. But I didn't care because it, it was, it took my pain away. That is something that, uh, now that's a, that's a very acute situation and it's a very, um, uh, it's, it's a very good illustrator because I then, you know, as you know, time heals all wounds, right? You know, you hear that a lot. I remember my grandmother telling me that. And over time I started to get better, but I was, but because I had used alcohol for, you know, for these coping mechanisms, instead of what I eventually find out instead of God, right. Instead of prayer and things like that, I needed it more. So, you know, things like, you know, um, having a problem with a customer, you know, because at, at the time I was an appraiser, so I owned my own business. Um, you know, I did this for, you know, I did that for probably 10 or 12 years and, um, I'd have a problem with the customer, you know, they, they you know, they weren't happy. Well, I'm going to go drink, um, this person, you know, and eventually it got to where I needed it for, for anything, anxiety, fear, um, you know, and it just, it's this really vicious cycle, right? Because then what, what ends up happening is, is that, you start to um, you start to feel bad, and a really good way to cure a hangover is to have a beer, mm. right? Um, and that's eventually where it ended up leading to was drinking during times that I said I would never drink, you know, doing things like that. But it was all about me coping, and it's and it, look, I say all the time. So I I go to AA meetings, and uh, obviously, and um, I I tell people all the time, especially I love to tell newcomers who are who are new to the program that don't like, don't you ever look down on yourself for this, you know, because so let, let, let me back up. So a lot of people, you know, when you first come in, you are very like, you're ashamed because you couldn't beat this, you know, you couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you're ashamed at all the things you did because, you know, your drinking causes you to make, you know, to obviously to, you know, make some pretty bad decisions. But I would tell people like, hey, don't you ever be ashamed of this because this is what is getting going to get you closer to God. This is the greatest gift God ever gave me because I would never be here if it weren't for alcoholism. I would have drifted in my life doing that same old like no God, you know, not that I was necessarily like, you know, you know, leading some charge against God. I was just like, I'm fine just being, you know, just sort of living my life. Um. But that's what God knew I needed, right? I mean, he he you know, he gave me this this gift. And that's where like so there's this book called 
the imperfections uh, it's called the spirituality of imperfection. And it basically talks about how like God uses our sins and our imperfections to, to bring us closer to him. And one of the, so, and it's, it is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, I would assume that somebody who's not, who's never dealt with addiction would, you know, would probably enjoy it as well. I just think somebody who's dealt with addiction probably would enjoy a little bit more because there is a lot of that in there. But basically like one of the best stories in there, he's talking about how, because what he does is he uses all religions across the whole world about how God does this and all these different stories and all these different religions. And one of the ones he told was, he said, you know, God is like, he's like, imagine he's like a puppet master and he's holding you on these, on a string and he's, you know, he's doing all this. He said, when you sin, you reach up and you cut the string and God reaches down, picks you up and he ties you back on. He said, and, and if you think about it, like when he, when, when you, when you have to retie something, you get, it, it shortens the length of the string. So you get closer to God when you, when, you know, and he, you know, he picks you up when you're, when you're trying to atone, when you're trying to say, Hey, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And so like, and I always love that. And that's like, so don't be ashamed. Like you, cause I think, I think there's so many people out there, especially, especially addicts and especially alcoholics who think, well, it's even if I did believe in God, I've done so many bad things that I can't come back anyway. And I mean, you and I know that's further from the truth, but when you're there, it really feels like that. So as I, the more I drank, the less I, you, you know, the, um, the less I used God to cope, um, with my situation. And that eventually landed me in treatment. And, and I think, so we talked about the first watershed moment. So that just sort of opened the door for me to actually like have these moments because, um, because in, in the, in the interim of between that moment and me going to treatment, I got married to my beautiful, beautiful wife of 20 years. Uh, and you know, I became Catholic. So when I got married, I, I was at least open to the idea of like, maybe there is, maybe there isn't kind of thing. And, and I, I really wanted to believe, you know, I had a lot of this, you know, I think probably one of the other things that, um, that I forgot to mention earlier was, was that I would look at it and I would say, okay, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people that I like, if, if all these people have liked this book or this movie, there's, there's gotta be something to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would look at at Christianity and just religion in general. And I'd say, Hey, 94% of the world, is religious. Am I really like, I know like I'm, I was, you know, I was pretty arrogant. I was, I was like, I know I'm smart, but like, am I really smarter than 94% <laughs> of the earth? I mean, you know what I mean? Like I would have that. And so that was, that, that was a pretty big, you know, part too of me. That was, you know, part of my, of my thinking of trying to like turn me. Right. Um, and so I would say, well, you know, obviously there's something because I know some, I know a lot, but even though I know I'm smart, there are a lot smarter people than me that I know that are Christians. And I think I also started to come around to the fact of like, hey, look, just because these people who represent Christians, just because they do bad things, because like, you, you know, uh, it doesn't mean that that represents the whole, right? It's it's ter- like, and I started realizing like, that's terrible for me to like, to judge I mean, if you think about it, I mean, that, that is like prejudice. That, that's the definition of prejudice, right? You prejudge. So I'm judging a group of people based on a couple of people's actions. And, and, and two, I was just looking at just a couple of the actions too, right? Like I was just looking at, you know, 
And I wasn't looking at the good things. I would only look at the bad things, right? I'm like, it's like that confirmation bias. It's like, once you've made up your mind, you only look to things that like help you with that, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, well, I'm only going to think, I'm only going to see the things that are going to make my argument stronger. And so then I started thinking, you know, um, I started like seeing all the good things that Christians did and all the good things that happened and all theirs. And, and then I would start to see people, I'd be like, well, um, why is that guy so happy? Like, why is that guy, what, like, why does that guy feel like he has peace? And you get to know him and it's cause he had Jesus in his heart. I mean, really. Um, Isn't it funny though, when you look at that, cause, cause a lot of non-believers, non-Christians, um, have a real problem with Christians and their behavior. Right. What they don't appreciate a lot of times is the fact that that Christian also has a problem with their behavior. They're not professing to get it right. Unfortunately, they're carrying the flag representing Christianity that other people's look at, people look at them and that thus hypocrisy, right? But normal people, most Christians, aren't in church because they're they've gotten it right. They're in church because they're trying to get it right. And, yeah. and they acknowledge um, the need to get it right and to be better and to be more faithful. And to what you just said, occasionally you run into someone who demonstrates this internal peace, often in the face of turmoil for most or um, or at least tension of some kind, and, and maybe it's not a perfect life, but it seems it, it looks like it might, it is. But they see those kind of people, or they see some just act of kindness or love to somebody else when they actually probably deserve the opposite of that, mm-hmm. and it makes you say, "Wait a minute, what the heck is that?" Yeah. But it's just I, I, yeah. I, I find that interesting. From the perspective of a non-Christian, the biggest problem they seem to have is with the behavior of Christians. The behavior of Christians seems to be the primary turnoff of non-Christians. And and the reality is most Christians aren't saying, hey, use me as a model (laughs) for Christianity. Um, They want to be a better version themselves. Mm. But Christians should also understand whether you want to be the model or not, you are. And, and, but occasionally, like you said, you run into that person that's got this piece inside of them. And when you dig, if you bother to dig into that, yeah. it almost every time yeah. turns into an actual right relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, and so that leads perfectly into, um, so when I was joining the Catholic church, there was, um, I was going through RCIA and I asked this deacon that question, what, what what's the deal? It's like, I can't reconcile people who never heard of Jesus going to hell. Right. You know, if they've never heard, you know, I've talked about that a lot. And he said something, he said, you know, he said, I don't know. He said, but I, but I agree with you. He said, but who's to say that at the last moment that like, he says, because Jesus knows if they're good people or not. He says, they, he says, he, I mean, they know, he says, who's to say at the last minute that Jesus and God can do anything they want, right? They could stop time and they could, and they could introduce themselves to him and say, and then at the end say, do you believe in me now? And of course they'll, yeah, of course I do. Right. It was like, um, and I never thought about it like that. 
And that's when I start, I think that's when I really started to realize that, that like, these are not hard and fast rules. I mean, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. everything you read is not like, um, one of the things that you see so many people when they come into AA, they have like, they've had, they've had such a hard time in church. Um, mm-hmm. at least around yeah. here. Right. And they, they've really had a hard time in church. And so, um, but going, just going back to what you were saying was that I, it's, it's like, you're saying like, if you're listening to this and, and, and you know that, um, people are watching you, like they're not, all, they're not watching you all the time, but you have to like, there's a book called think like a CEO. And the whole part of the, the whole point of the book is saying that like, your actions influence people all the time, whether you know it or not, from the time your foot hits that parking lot, from the time you walk in, right, to the time you leave. People are looking at if you're smiling, you know, they're like, oh, he's, oh, the CEO's frowning. I, oh, I wonder if there's like a bad report. Oh, God, I'm going to get fired. You, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was like basically saying, and I think that's, it's like, you have to like think that at all times, there might be that person who's an atheist who is need to be, needs a watershed moment, Right. And if you don't leave a tip, I'm not saying you don't leave a tip, but you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. don't ever do anything that would ever cause anybody to go, huh? You know, I mean, that's what, I mean, because in my mind, what really, what, what, what really probably in the end, what sort of got me there was seeing the people who I know, who I knew life, lives were good and, and peaceful and serene and seeing like, oh, that's because of Jesus. That was, that's probably what, what like turned me on the most. It wasn't hearing that God's going to send you to hell. If you don't like, I mean, mean, right. Because that would just turn me off. That just made me think this just didn't exist. It's much more about that. Um, and, and if you think about like, if you're always thinking doing the right thing and like, is, is somebody watching me that's going to see? because, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of us have kids. I mean, it's not just, you're not just doing it because you're trying to make somebody else's life better. You're doing it because you're making your life better. I mean, like, do you, I mean, like I feel better when I do the right thing. I always feel guilty if I, if I do something like, you know, nowadays it would, would be little things like, you know, like not letting somebody in, you know, or something like that, you know, or, um, I'm in a hurry and I'm like, and I justify it like, well, I'm in a hurry. So I, I've got to get, I've got to get there quicker than this person or something. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, so we were talking about going from the point of, you know, um, you know, from like contact to, and so, um, you know, to, to rehab. And so when I got, so that point, you know, that was when I was really starting to think, well, okay. But the thing I was missing was always the relationship and all that. I'm still trying to work out like rationally. How does this, is this, is it, can, you know, can this really be? And, Mm -hmm. and I think at that point I was sort of, you know, I really wanted to believe, but it was really hard. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know how to explain that, but you know, I really wanted to, and I was doing everything that I could, you know, the fake it till you make it kind of thing. And I don't know if I was faking it necessarily, but I was doing the things that I thought I knew that I thought I would need to do. Um, and you know, that just God, God has his own timeline for us. And I don't look back on any of that and think, man, I wish I would have come become, you know, sooner because I know that was part of God's plan. And, what I have come to realize, um, and you know, in my faith now is that God is, uh, you know, always on time, you know, mm-hmm. it, it might not be your time, might not be the time you want, but, um, 
So, and that, that, so I guess that brings me all the way to, you know, to going actually to rehab. So I got to the point where I had no other, I had no, I mean, like I couldn't cope with anything. Um, and you know, I was one of these people who, um, this, this, this is going to sound terrible. Um, but you know, I was one of these people that like, I was just, I was just really arrogant. I, you know, even if I was somewhat believing in God, I thought I still was in control. And so, because I, and, and I would think like, I mean, look, I got myself in and I went, I got my MBA at Vanderbilt. I put myself through all that. Um, I, uh, I've done these adventure races and I've done all these things in my life. And I know that brute force works. And I, if I put my mind to it, I can do it. I don't need God, you know? Um, and I think that's probably the relationship part that I was missing. And so when, but when it came to alcoholism, like I had like, I had no power. I, I, like it it was, and that's why I say God gave me alcoholism because he knew I was going to be the most stubborn person or one of them. You know, I was, Mm. I was going to be that stubborn. And so he was like, well, I mean, I'm, I, I, I say this in jest, but he's like, well, I guess I got to give this guy alcoholism. You know, he's not going to ever come around to me. <laughs> and so, um, so going to, uh, so eventually I got to the point where, uh, you know, and luckily, you know, my wife was just uh, really incredible to all of it. I, I, um, she put up with a lot. I mean, I was, I won't go into all the gory details or anything like that, but she, you can just imagine she put Those up with Those aren't usually great, yeah. great memorable stories. Yeah, they're not they're 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 not a lot of super fun and she she could be considered for, you know, sainthood after this, yeah. but so we we got, you know, so, so so we went, she took me to rehab and I was there for 10 weeks. And it was uh it was quite the um um it was quite the experience. Um but what I'll say is that while I was there you know, I started, you know, one, one, you know, some of the things that, you know, I still was like, I mean, like I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, and I don't think I ever really prayed, Hey God, I know, like I, I never prayed to God and said, Hey, I'm not going to believe in you unless you show me a sign. But I, I think, you know, maybe deep down he knew that's what I needed because that was a big part of my past. Um, but he did that. And he did that in two ways when I got there. Um, so he didn't do it immediately, but I think it was about a week and a half or two weeks in one of Amanda's, um, Amanda's my wife, um, Amanda's, uh, so Amanda's aunt gave me this, this devotional book and it was one that you read every day and it, it had very specific days. I think it was actually a Lent book. It was a, a, a you know, it was like a, a prayer schedule for Lent. And what it would do is it would have a Bible verse and then it would have a little bit of a you know, uh, like a little talk about what it was, you know, sort of like, Hey, here's my, here's my take on it. Um, and she gave this to me and this, and it, and I'd had it for a week and a half or two weeks by the time I'd been there. And I just decided that morning, I was like, I woke up that morning because in the morning you had to, you had to do your own prayer time. And so I got up that morning and I read it and it was this story in the Bible about, uh, and I'm not going to get this hundred percent right. I, I, um, but it was basically about this guy who um, was, you know, had been alive for 38 years, which so had I. Um, he was, he was, and he was, he was looking at the water 
and it was talking about, you know, he, he thought he needed the water. Um, and it was just all these, and it was basically like, Hey, he, he thinks he, you know, he needs the water, which to me was alcohol. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, like, and to me, I mean, like, and I am bawling crying because I mean, all these just unbelievable coincidences. Right. I mean, if you just think about like, I, it was, it was, it was the first day that I did it. It was the guy was 38 years old. He was thought he, I mean, it talked about how he thought he needed alcohol. I mean, he thought he needed water, which, you know, which to me was like, you know, pretty obvious when it was basically saying that really what he needs is God. And then the second thing. And so, I mean, I'm just bawling crying over that. And I was like, and I still, I still love that. Um, But then the other one was, uh, and this one is probably even, I mean, this is one that I, you know, that I tell people, um, is, 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 is probably, you know, my, I guess my, I hate to say my burning bush, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, so I t- already told you my brother passed away. He passed away when he was 36 years old of a heart attack. And, um, which, you know, which was, Hey, look, that's, it was terrible, but you know, what? not it's, I mean, a, a lot of people have death. Everybody has death in their life. And, um, but it was, you know, it was, it was really hard on me. So anyway, uh, actually at this you know, what you do is you, when, when you go and you talk to your, to the initial counselor, they say, Hey, and, and they recommend, they have all these different like classes that are like one-off classes there to help you deal with certain things. And one of them is called a grief class. And so if you've ever dealt with the death of someone and they think you need a little, a little more intensive help, you go to these grief classes. What well, was a three-day grief class? I mean, you're in there from eight to four every day and, and it's only like a couple of people. So anyway, so, um, one of the other things you have to do is at the end of the day, you always have to go to an AA meeting. Doesn't matter where, but, uh, and you have to go with a group of people. And so you, and after a certain amount of time, if you've, um, you you know, you can go off campus. A lot of times they have them on campus, but you can go off campus. And we always like to go to the early morning, um, the, the early morning one, because, you know, because it was better to do it in the morning and then you'd have the afternoon to do whatever, or the, or the night to do what you needed to do. Well, I went there. The, I went there in the morning, and there was this guy there that looked just like Travis, my brother. I mean, to the point where <laughs> it was like I almost wanted to say something to him, but I was like, "That'd be too weird to be like, hey, you remind me of my dead brother." You know, I couldn't, I couldn't say that. Uh, but anyway, I just kept staring at him, and he was probably like, "This guy's weird." Uh, but um, so I left the meeting, never said anything to him, and I was just like, "Man, that's crazy. That's pretty awesome." on the day of my, like, I mean, that, that this would happen on the day that I'm like the second day of my grief class. Well, the grief class, the weird part about the way this building was set up was that you had this, you had these big rooms where you would have stuff called, they called it group therapy, where you, you'd, you'd be in your group and everybody would talk about, you know, um, you know, what's going on with them. And it would last all morning. It would usually last from like eight thirty to like 11 until lunch. Well, inside of this room was another room. It was like an office. Um, and uh, so you'd have to walk through the big room to get into this room, right? Well, I'm we're walking through to get there. And this guy who reminded me of my brother just happens to be sitting in there beside the counselor, just smiling. And I just kind of walked by him like, and, and, and the weird part, like you, it would be, it's kind of hard to kind of, uh, put why this is so unusual, but they don't let, they don't just let random people come into these because people are sharing the most personal stuff you've ever said in your life in these group therapy sessions. Right. And so, and usually it's just the same people every single day. And if you want people to feel comfortable, 
you're not just going to let just a bunch of people just come in and just and just observe. So he hadn't been there. Is I'd like- never seen him. I, as a matter of fact, the 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 only thing that I could think of, and it it, it really doesn't matter why, um, because he was there, and he was he was not a figment of my of my imagination. But what I what what I think what he was was that I think he was maybe studying to be a counselor, and he was there to observe. I mean, it's just speculate. You don't know. I, I really have no clue. But but are you saying that that he didn't remain there? How, how, he was just there and in, in and out. Yeah, he was in and out. I, well, so what happened? So when I so I just walked by him and went into that office. When I came back out, he was gone. Now this was this was hours later when I came back out. So uh, and the group was gone. But the crazy thing is, is that I never saw another person ever come into. And I was there for ten weeks. Okay. And I was in group therapy a lot too, you know, because that was, if I wasn't in one of those classes, he just happened to, he just happened to be there that day. And I never saw so it was like any one day. other, one day of all the days, I never saw anybody else come in and just sit. But this was a guy that wasn't even like, he wasn't in treatment. He just happened to just be there. And I just, and I'd never, and, and the other, the other thing that you probably wouldn't know is that a lot of times these AA meetings are not, um, I mean, uh, 30 people for an AA meeting is a lot. I mean, that, you know, that'd be a pretty full room. And so you see the same people over and over and over. I mean, you see them a lot. I mean, you get to know them by name and, you know, you're shaking hands with them. And I'd never seen him in a meeting before and never saw him in a meeting after. You never, did you ever talk to him? I never talked to him. I know. I never talked so to him. So he appears on the day that you're going into a, a grief meeting yep. to talk about the loss of a loved one, which yep. I'm assuming is him. Yeah, it was him. Yep. We were, I was, it was only him. I mean, it was all about reconciling, you know, reconciling, you know, your grief over losing that person. So what kind of an impact did this have on you? It was, yeah. So what, what are your implications? Yeah. I mean, what do you, what are you thinking during this time? Are you thinking that God has just yeah created a person to be identical to my brother to cause no. me to get to a certain place or no, it's funny. No, so, yeah, so my thought, because, look, I, I will probably never get that whole, um, you know, science. I still have a big, it's, it's still a big part of my life. So in my mind, it wasn't that it was a figment, right? It wasn't that it was, I was the only person that saw him. It wasn't that he was an angel or anything like that. I'm not saying that it couldn't be. But in my mind, what I thought was, was that, and I, look, I, I definitely know that it was God doing it. But I think that it was just some, because the way I think of God is that he has this, you know, it's like he's up there. I say up, he's, you know, wherever he is. And he has got the most intricate board of like yarn, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going everywhere. And basically like that guy, he might be telling some story about how, you know, I'll never forget. I got so lucky that somebody let me go and sit in on this class. And like he might be telling that story at this exact same moment, talking about how God helped him get his life and make you know to you know to be a a counselor, and he got this lucky break because nobody ever lets us in sit in on these group therapies, and they let me go in and sit in on this group therapy, and that's when I learned I wanted to be a counselor, and I become a counselor, and now I've helped thousands of people, right? I mean that that's part of his story, but it was but God was like, you know what, I'm gonna kill. 10,000 birds with one stone because there might be like other people sure. that thought the same thing. I mean, you know, like I, I try not to think about it because it starts to make your brain hurt about how much, like how intricate 
those stories are, sometimes the stories aren't, aren't, aren't nice. Right. You know, sometimes the stories are not good. Um, like for instance, um, the guy who started, um, America's most wanted remember John Walsh, Mm -hmm. he had a little boy who was, uh, kidnapped and killed in a very, very horrific way. But he goes on to start America's most wanted and captured hundreds of criminals because of this show. He starts because his whole point was, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. Think of all the pain that didn't happen because of what John Walsh did, because of all these people that were captured. So they didn't get to, you know, commit some crime, right? That started with a horrible, horrible story. So the stories aren't always good, but it is, it's, it's, it's God's plan. I mean, I always imagine God, um, getting that little boy up there and saying, Hey, look, I'm really sorry for what happened to you, but let me show you what happened because of, because of your sacrifice, basically. Um, and I I don't know, it's just, and so you ask what, you know, what, what I felt, I guess in my mind, I just thought that that was like, in my mind, it was like, Hey, look, there is, it's like, if, if I'm honestly trying to like do statistical analysis on this, it's, it's, it's so far beyond Mm -hmm. like, I mean, what's, what's the probability of this, right? You're like, well, kind of going back to the big bang, you know, chicken or egg, like who created the big bang? Well, who created God? Well, you just, you, you, you could do that infinitely. So you have to eventually say, well, what makes more sense? And so in this case, it's like, what makes more sense? So that was this amazing, just this amazing uh, experience for me to really feel like God was there. And, and those two experiences were just spine tingling, you know, goose, you know, goosebumps, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, I, we read things and we consume content, especially reading things. And we get in scriptures the same way. And, and the scripture will really resonate with you. It's like, yeah, man, that really applies to me right now. But when you start getting into things where, where what you're reading is almost as if, I mean, to talk about a, a guy that's 38 and the struggle and, and it almost mirroring exactly you, the guy that's in the, even in the room next to you, who's 36, it does, it, it, yeah. it, it, it it's almost too uncanny to just dismiss as a really neat coincidence. Yeah. And it, it feels to me like what you're saying is that you felt like, and you can correct me, he's like, nah, that's not it. But you felt like these are times that maybe that God has actually spoken to you in, in a particular way. Is it, would you characterize it as that? Or is, would, would, does your scientific mind not allow that to go to, to that point? Oh, no, no. In that, in that case, it, um, it definitely went to God, you know, specifically reached out to me. Now I do in, in a, in a, in a, in a weird kind of, one of the things I work on every day still is, is, is just, is just humility, right. Mm-hmm. Is being humble. And like, I don't know. It makes me feel better to think that was also part of that guy's story too. I agree with right? that. And, and I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, I think he spoke to both of us that day. Yeah. I don't know how he spoke to him and I'm, I might be completely making that up, but like, it makes me feel better to know. Like, I don't know. I don't know but why. you know, you, you talked about one of the things that you wanted to, to see was proof. You wanted to see God really yeah. show up. Now, if you talk to people, talk to people of faith, They'll say, well, when your faith is more mature, you see him yeah. all the time. 
Right. You see, he's very present in just the little bitty things right. all the time. All you have to do is open your eyes. Mm-hmm. But for you, it sounded like you needed a bigger moment than that. Yep. You didn't have the ability to see the the things that yep. mature faith people see when they clearly see God working or speaking. You yeah, just right. get to that point. Yeah, you need a jump start almost a little bit. And you needed a jump start. Yep. You said, "Hey, one of my biggest things was I needed I needed a I needed a burning bush experience. I needed yeah. something to happen right in front of me because, yep. you know, otherwise I don't believe. Yeah. And and for you in the moment that you were in, and I guess an atheist uh, distant from this might come to you and say, those are just coincidences, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? That yeah. the guy looked like your brother. But I don't believe that you would say that it's a coincidence. Yeah. There w- it was probably so much more impactful for you. And I don't know, maybe this was, like you said, heck, I, even, I think you even described it as your burning bush moment. Yep. This might have been God saying, here's one of the first times yep. I'm going to make myself painfully obvious to you. Yeah. And it, it, it and, and I think that's when, so, so, so kind of two things. The, the first thing is, is what you start to realize is that, Hey, look, burning bush moments are, are great. They are fantastic, but they don't last. I do not feel the same about that story today. Like it doesn't give me the same innate, like inside feeling, but what, and, and so what you have to realize is that like, that is what prayer that is what like that constant contact with him of like, you know, like is like you were saying, it's like, um, if you are not, um, like, you know, these really mature people in there, you know, these really spiritually mature people, they see him everywhere. And it reminds me of, you know, my sponsor says this all the time. He says, um, God is either everything or he's nothing. And you, and you have to choose, right? And so if you're choosing that he's everything, then he is everywhere. He's in your every breath. He's in your every word. He's he's everything, right? Mm-hmm. And when you start to do that, that's when like I start to feel a lot better about things. I just start to feel like it's going to be okay. It might not be what I want. Yeah, it I, might not be exactly what I, I mean. I never would have drawn the plans up like God did, but I'm not God, and you know He knows better than me. So, you know what? I'm just gonna sit back and just let this happen. You know, I I I try to do stuff now. You know, I um, and this is probably one of the things I teach to my kids the most is that we we are in so little control. The only thing we're really in control of is our is our reaction to moments and reaction to things. And so when something happens that you don't want to happen, you need to look at it and go, okay, God, God, he set this up. What is the lesson I'm learning from this today? Mm-hmm. Like, what should I learn from this? Right. I mean, a really easy one is, and I use this, I use this one a lot and I've already used it a bunch just talking to you today. But if somebody cuts you off in traffic, like God is teaching you patience, right? I mean, who knows what he's teaching at the time? He could be teaching you patience. He could be, he could be teaching you humility because maybe that person, like who knows, maybe that person is trying to get to the hospital to see their dying father or uncle or whatever it is. Right. I mean, you don't know. Right. And so I think every time I start to get a matter upset at someone else, I'm like, well, like God is teaching you something here. 
And, and when I do that, it, it, it just makes it so much easier and so much better for me because I realize like, this is my opportunity to work on a virtue instead of like, you know, sinning against my, you know, my brother or my sister or whatever it is. Yeah. And you gotta have, you gotta, you gotta believe in God to do that because quite frankly, they they may be heading to the hospital. They may just be a jerk. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, and, true. and, and yeah. And it's not your job. It's not our job right. to administer justice as much in our heart as we want to do it. And I'm yeah. that guy too that wants to like, you know, yeah, somehow administer justice within the next few moments here if I can do it. But maybe they're just being a jerk. And yeah. maybe your job is to love them anyway, even though they deserve very much the opposite of that. You know, for some reason, and I always go back to in, in a lot of these stories, I'm reminded of the Exodus. You talked about you can have the burning bush experience, and you had this big encounter with this guy that looked like your brother as you were dealing with grief about your brother, which is amazing. And for you, it was the presence of God, and that's simply put, that's what it was for you. But, you know, when they, and the story goes, when, when they left and they got hemmed in, between the Red Sea and the Egyptians, God literally separated the waters of the Red Sea with a great wind. They passed through that, and the waters enclosed and killed the Egyptian army. Now, if that doesn't, that doesn't happen. You know, science can probably explain some of that away, maybe, but if the people on the scene at the time can only say, oh my gosh, that was God, and I can't even believe that. But not a week later, not a week later, they're like complaining about there not being enough food or water. I guess we're just going to die out here now. And you're reading that, and you're like, (laughs) didn't he just open the sea for you to escape? You know, and it happened like throughout the 40 years. I mean, they, they were hungry, and so manna, Bread fell from the sky to feed them. Yep. And they got tired of it. It's like, oh, well, I don't have anything to drink now. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are we going to do now, Moses? Yeah. Mr. Know-it-all. Right. He's like, do you think God's going to stop taking? I mean, did you see the amazing things that happened? But we all do that. It's, it, it's, it's also a metaphor for us as well because we have these things happen. And we encounter God in all the ways we encounter him. And then it, it fades. And it's yep. like you kind of forget about it. But if you, if you keep feeding yourself, like you just got through saying, you get to a place, I've felt this too, where his presence does not fade away as easily. Yeah. And you get in those situations in life where you would normally be God and you just kind of turn it over to him and it's all cool and it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, think about like, you know, with Jesus and the apostles. I mean, think about how many times he performed miracles like on the boat where the boat was in the middle and there was a storm. And he calmed the storm. And then like, it's not very much long afterwards that they're that like they are like questioning him because they always question him. Even seeing all the things that he did, you know, it's like it's crazy how much. I mean, because you remember he comes up and he's mad at them for not, you know, for not trusting him, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like and and this is. um. And I think that comes right after him, you know, walking on the water, right? Yeah. And he, and then, and then they're like within, which happened right after he fed five thousand people. Yeah, that's right, out of nothing. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and then they're like, worried about the, Hey, we're going to die out here. Yeah. So it's, it's almost <laughs> like a little bit of like, I mean, that's almost more of not, not necessarily that. Yeah. So it's, it's the trust of like, well, I've seen you do it, but, but you're right. It's that, I think that's part of the, you know, one of the things that I like, um, that I've heard before is that, you know, prayer is like a fire extinguisher, you know, it's like in a house. So you're not gonna have a fire every day in your house or in your life. But if you're not, but if, you know, and every morning you get up and you, you know, you go, you, you go like, go check the fire extinguisher and you look at it and you make sure it's okay and you know where it is. So when a fire does break out or something bad happens, you know exactly where to go. You can put that out immediately. And if you're not praying every day, if you're not going to look to see where your fire extinguisher is, you're, you're just like, I mean, you know, when, when that, when that thing does happen, you're not ready for it. You know, a really good, a really good metaphor too is, is, uh, is the, uh, is just exercise. I mean, think about, you know, um, you know, the more you exercise, the better you get, uh, and you know, the more your endurance gets right. And the, you know, and, and, and the better you perform and you can't just, I mean, and that happens over, over a long period of time, you can't just go out and say, Hey, I'm going to go out, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. If you haven't been running, I mean, you might be able to do it, but it's going to hurt. It's going to be terrible. You're going to have blisters and you're never going to want to do it again and all that kind of stuff. So, um, because, and, and I guess my whole point of, of, of all that is that, you can have these burning bush experiences and they are great. And, and I, I believe that if I hadn't had that, maybe I wouldn't be where I am today. I don't know. Maybe I would, but, but they are part of my story. And so I think that's why I'm here today, but that's not why I still have a, that's not why I have spirituality, Mm -hmm. right? That's not why I have a relationship with Jesus. It's because I, I spend, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, cultivating that, you know, um, always love, you know, that, you know, the, if, if you draw, if you, it, like, if you draw nearer to him, he will draw nearer to you. Um, and I think he takes a lot bigger strides than we do. We don't have to take as big a stride, you know, like if we just take a little stride, he takes a lot bigger stride. Yeah. He's always pursuing us. We're taught that. And, and what we got to do is when, when we re-pursue him back, it's, yeah. uh, and that it's the, it's in the Lord's prayer. Give us this day, our daily bread. That's the piece that is so critical to continue to develop your faith. And, you know, I found that the more I do that, the more burning bush experiences happen and the more I feel like he's talking to me and easier I can see him in things. Um, you know, I'm thinking back and listening to your story overall, you've gone from atheism to a pretty mature faith in a short amount of time. And it doesn't seem like though, it was a switch that happened. It, it seemed like you had a couple of sort of watershed moments yeah. that moved you from a new, from one level to the next, but without sort of God's pursuit of you talking to that, you know, opening some little doors here and little doors there and putting into your mind the fact that, boy, I know some really intelligent people that are also Christians. So they're not just these naive, you know, non, intellectual, non-thinking, you know, people who are superstitious about things. Um, but little things along the way that got you to watershed moments that kind of moved you on through. Do you see it more as an evolution or do you feel like there was a couple of big switches that flipped for you to get you from, I mean, yeah, you were atheist and I don't know how entrenched you were in atheism or not. I think you could 
argue with um, a believer pretty pretty strongly and win a lot of those arguments. Um, but going from that to where you are right now, oh yeah, seems like a long way. Yeah, no. I, so yeah, so um, I think the only reason why I, I I I say the watershed moments is because it make it it is much better for a story, right? It's 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 very definitive points. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking me if it yeah, no, no, it was not. There was no switch. It was a very long, um, it was a very long journey. It was a very, um, with lots of up and ups and downs. I mean, I still have, I mean, you, you know, you say I have a very mature faith. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I think I have a long, long way to go. We all do. Right. And, but like, yeah. And, and I, you know, and there's, there's, there's all kinds of ups and downs. Um, and it was a very, uh, yeah, it was, it was a very long, and, and it's like, when I look back and I say, you know, it's kind of funny. It just depends on what, it just depends on what part of the story that I'm telling. Like what's the most important part of my faith? Oh, well, it was drinking. No, no, no. It was the moment where I saw Travis in the place. No, no, no. It was when I saw the movie contact. Oh, wait, wait, no, no, it's right. I mean, it's all those, the amalgamation of all those things. And like, in even telling my story, like, I mean, like I had kind of, I had almost forgotten about the story about talking to the deacon until mm-hmm. you reminded me, you know, as we're, as I'm telling the story, I mean, all those little things. And I can't even tell you, you know, all the buddies that I've talked to, you know, through, you know, through just different times of, you know, little, just little things that they may have said to me that when like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And has helped to further my spirituality, the book, you know, the, you know, all the books that I've read on, you know, different things like the, you know, the one about the, uh, the, you know, the spirituality of imperfection. Um, I think that, obviously this is, this is a podcast, right? And there are people who are going to be listening to this. And if I'm thinking about it from, you know, from their perspective, and I was going to like give some sort of like advice, it would just be that everybody's story is different and don't ever let anyone tell you like what your faith should look like, what your relationship with Jesus should look like. Because in the end, I think that was one of my problems. You know, we, I didn't, I didn't talk about this at the first, but, and I guess I didn't think about it till now, but I guess one of my problems was, was that like, I would see these people and they would tell me like, well, and they might not have been telling me this, but this is what I was hearing mm-hmm. was that this is what your faith has to look like. And if it doesn't, you're not a Christian and you're not going to heaven and you're this and blah, and you're a bad person and right. And all this kind of stuff. And that turned me off. And what I think now is that, you know, everybody's everybody's relationship with Jesus is like incredibly different. And I love to talk about those things with people and I love to, you know, to do that. But I know mine is very different. And like, if you and I were talking about different things that we believed, like we ultimately believed the same thing, but there would be a lot of intricacies that would be different. And one of the things I was probably not very good at before that I am now is tolerance of others, you know, viewpoints. I would mm-hmm. be like, Oh, that's really cool, Stacy. And I, I try really hard. Like um, one of the things that I think I have gotten good at is saying like, if you told me something and I didn't believe it, I, I would try really hard to be like, well, is Stacy right? Or am I right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. I would, because I've just had that happen way too much in my life for me to realize that I was wrong <laughs> and I'm wrong. I'm wrong probably more than I'm right. Um, so I don't know. That's, um, I, I love, and I love the individuality of how God comes to us and how God forms those relationships and how God, um, tailor, you know, he tailors to us. So, 
I don't yeah, know. I, that's a great. I'm just sitting pondering what you're saying there, and and you, we do get taught uh, this pattern for uh, walk with God, and you know, it's mostly rooted in Scripture, but you know, the, the path. You make a great point. It's it's so unique for everyone, and and the way I am spiritual with my heavenly Father, who is also yours, is just a. I, I can't give somebody else my template and say, "Here, follow this." Right. Necessarily, I guess I could, but you know, the problem probably for you was you were given templates or shown templates, and they just didn't they didn't work for you. That wasn't yeah. it, and. You know, it's interesting to th- look back at your story, especially when you got into to rehab. It seems like with all that had gone up, even though you had been begin to consider spirituality and the probability or likelihood of God and and what that could look like, but that it took getting there to realize the importance and and, and to define this whole notion of surrender, right? Of mm-hmm. of things where you were, you were God. Mm-hmm. Even though you believe in God, you were God. You yeah, could do right. anything. That's right. I was I'll, playing God. <laughs> you got quote unquote gifted, according to you, um, the, a thing that you couldn't you couldn't do. Yeah, and that probably seems to me when when I listen to to this whole thing is the thing that most transformed you spiritually into a much more right relationship with God when you got to a place where it was like the pressure's off me because I can't do this. It's, this is up to him. Yeah. One of the, I remember hearing um, the, um, there's a saying that says you have to surrender to win. And that was like, so against everything that I ever yeah. thought of. I was like, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. You don't ever give up. And, and, and in this case, that's 100%, right? It's, it is, it's amazing to, um, the, the release and the serenity and the peace you feel when you can just say, you know what? I can't do anything about this. God, I'm gonna, I'm like, you're gonna have to do this for me. And he wants nothing more than to do that, right? He wants you, he wants nothing more than for you to say that to, you know, for you to need him. I mean, one of the, one of the I heard I feel like I have like a thousand sayings, but uh, one of the other things that I think about a lot is, um, you know, everybody always says, um, God only gives you what you can handle. Mm-hmm. That that is complete wrong. That's completely wrong. It's because if that were true, then we would never need Him, right? If He only gives you what you can handle, you'd be like, oh well, I can, I can, God, don't you, you just sit at you. Listen, you sit over there. I'll, I got. I'll handle this. No, he gives you stuff because, like, you have because you you have to go to him and say, God, I need this. I need you to handle this, right? And so, and 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 that helps me as well to realize that when I do have something that I can't handle, like that's the whole point. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, and we're entering the we're in the Advent season for Christians, and and yeah. and. I think this is one of the most critical elements of a rich spiritual relationship is and, and necessary that we acknowledge our need to be saved yeah. and not be our own 
Savior. In the Advent season, we're welcoming the Savior, right? Being born and 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 right, all that. But if we don't need Him, yeah, what's the big deal, right? Hey, we can give some presents, and that's, that's cool, right. or whatever. But but once you acknowledge, once you get to a place where you um, say, I I need I need saving. I need a savior. I need someone that I can turn this over to that can do it because this is too big for me. I, I, I can't. Right. That is, uh, the, that is often breakthrough moments spiritually for people. And, um, it seems like that's describes yeah. kind of where you ended up getting to. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the other, so uh, this, is a t- this is a tiny bit, not, a, this isn't exactly but I remember, I can always, I always remember hearing, you know, you know, in the, um, you know, repent, repent. And that, that became a bad word to me because that meant like, you know, I remember we had this guy at Auburn who would, um, who would stand on the concourse and yell at everybody, tell them they were going to hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell everybody that, um, you're going to hell, repent, repent. And, um, sometime in the past five years I heard, and I, I felt, you know, the translation of repent is just really just to turn around. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Like, like that is something too, that I have like become, I used to hate that and think like, oh, it's terrible. But if, you, if I hear repent, I'm yeah. going to kill somebody. It's a real churchy word. Yeah. But it really just means turn around. And mm-hmm. like, and I think about like, just in my everyday life, if I ever, because like, I, I do it every day. Like I say, I turn from Jesus, not on purpose, just because like I start to I start to try to get in control of a situation just because that's just my natural. And all I have to do is turn around. Mm-hmm. And I always, I always like to say, you know, Jesus is a, like, if you're, if you're a Seinfeld fan, you know, Jesus is a close talker. Like, so he's, <laughs> and if you, when you turn around, he's going to be right in your face. Right. And that's all you have to do is you just, all you have to do is turn around and he's there. He's following you and he's right in your face. And, and that is comforting to know as well. Right. Is that, Hey, you know, and, it's amazing. It, it is crazy to me. Like you said, you know, being mature, this is why I say that I'm not mature in my faith is because of how many times I notice in the day that I try to take control. <laughs> it is amazing to me, even though I know like, and it's not just like, it's not because I know it's the right thing because I know it's because of what the Bible tells me to do. It's because it makes my life better. Yeah, it's right. It does, and I, I I've experienced that, and I know what you're saying. But I sit here and I wonder what an atheist listening to this yeah. is like eye rolling. It's like, what are these clowns talking about? <laughs> right. Right. And it's it's difficult to explain that. How would you explain that to someone who is is where you were when you start talking about this whole surrender yeah. thing. It's kind of hard to answer because it would depend on the situation, all these kind of things. But here, I'll, I'll, I will try my best. So take an alcoholic, just for example, who comes in because God... Um, so one of the things I say about alcoholism is that um, AA is not... Or God, you know, that wrote a, you know, spirituality is not for people who um, who need it. It's for people who want it. And so I, I really believe that like at every moment in people's life that like, like the way I would handle an atheist. And so I where I'm kind of getting around to is that, is that if I start arguing, like, look, you, you and I are never going to agree on this. Okay. I understand how you feel. And I completely, and I'm not saying that anything that you're saying is wrong. Like, 
like what you're saying, like all the scientific facts, you're right. All that stuff is right. I said, but mine is just a feeling, right? Like I, like in my mind, I know what I've, what I've experienced and I know the difference between having peace and not having peace. And I know when I didn't have peace, what I didn't have. And I know when I have peace, I know what I have. And so what I would say is, and if, and if you were ever willing to talk to me about it, if you ever feel like you want to talk, I'll be here. But you're right. We're never going to like, I mean, I would almost like, I, I would like, I wouldn't argue with them because when you argue, that's what they want, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's what that person wants. They want to argue because they want to prove to you that they are right. But if you have faith, you're like, like, I don't, I don't have to be right because I, like, I know it sounds arrogant. If you're somebody who's listening to this and you're an atheist, you're thinking, well, golly, how arrogant is that? Does that, but I know in my mind, I don't have to argue because in my mind, I'm right. And I know that I am. But when you argue with people, it's because like, and, and I'm talking about like when I was arguing with people, it's because I wanted to like show them. I mean, I was like, I wanted to like, well, the point I wanted of it is to, to so, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. That's right. And so it, 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 it doesn't need to be an argument. It just needs to be when you're, if you, it, when you're ready or if you're ever ready. Right. Cause if you say when, then it becomes like, I know you'll be ready. But, but it, it, at some point, everybody comes around to that, like this hole in their heart that they need to fill up with something. Um, I, I would love to be here for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's just always being there for that person, showing them like, like what we were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, it's, you know, Christianity. I've heard people talk about Christianity as being like, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. It's a blessing because we feel the peace and serenity of Jesus, but it's a curse because we have to uphold those things because people are watching us. Right. Yeah. I I think about how I might be in, and I've not been in that situation. And I think we could only say, Hey, look, I have a peace inside of me now that I didn't have before. I know that all the desires for justice and vengeance and victory and over another person, you never get satisfied with that. I never, even when I won big victories, yeah, it might be fun initially, but it was never, I'm just telling you, it's never been the peace that is on the inside of me now. And it's hard to explain, but it, it is, it is a, it is a stillness and it is a peace that comes with this discovery. And, and I have to say as a Christian that it's not this oblivion thing. I I enjoy the debates on science and everything else as much as anybody. I still have a family and pay my bills and we work and we do all the things that you do. I'm just telling you it's not oblivion. It's just a piece. Yeah. No. And it doesn't yeah. make sense to people. It's hard to explain it. And um, I, I don't know. That, that's how it is with me. And when I sit and have conversations with you, and I knew you before you went into recovery, and I know there's lots of folks that knew you a long time before that, but I don't know. I, I, I see a difference in your piece from there to, to here, and, and, and even more so in the last probably couple of years. Yeah. The reason why I mentioned the AA thing is because most people come in there, they're they're upset at God. Mm-hmm. Either they don't believe in him or they're like super mad. 
Um, and they're either mad at God or they're mad at their church. And so that's why I just, you just deal with that a lot. You deal with a lot of people who go in there and, and, and really what you try to tell them is in that case is you're saying, Hey, look, you're sick and you need help. And I'm not telling you to believe in God right now. I'm telling you just if all, like all you have to do is just crack that door just a tiny bit, just, just let him put his toe in that door and that's it. Just, just, and, and basically what that is, is just saying, just fake it for now, right? If you have to do something just to say, maybe, you, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. the dumb and dumber, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, so you're, you know, like, what, what are you saying? Like one in a hundred, one in a ten, no, just one in a million. <laughs> you're telling me there's a chance, right? I mean, that's all God needs is you just tell him there's a chance. And then those things will start to happen. And I think those, um, you know. It's funny, you know, it's like now I kind of look at it and I think like a lot of my arguments are more logical than what my arguments were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I said like, like you can still like, I think people think they have to give up their scientific life and you don't yeah. have to, like you can still be like, because science is science. I mean, it's, you it's, shouldn't stop being a critical thinker. No. Yeah, that's right. Um, you don't have to like say dinosaurs didn't exist and all this stuff. No. I mean, so anyway, so my point is, is just, is that. Don't argue. Go, hey, yeah, you know what? You got a lot of good points. I, I just believe what I believe. And if you ever want to talk about it and you're ever interested, please let me know. Yeah. Because like I said before, and then every time you're around that person, make like let them see the peace and serenity through you. Yeah, Christians get defensive. Yeah. Christians will argue with anybody too. I mean, they get yeah. and, and and it's hard to grab yeah. certain biblical arguments and and have those stand up in a debate against someone who who doesn't believe but what you're saying is yeah don't feed that fire yeah just love them yep that's right because <laughs> they oh, will see it's it. a, what a novel concept didn't we get taught that a couple thousand years ago yeah right just love yeah. them right don't don't beat them down or argue with them. that's great that's a great insight my conversation with evan began as an attempt to understand arguments of the common atheists and what might cause an atheist to turn to God, as Evan had done. As the discussion progressed, it seemed that Evan was a less entrenched atheist than I thought. Evan's blockage to God felt more based in a rejection of ideas generated by people, specifically Christians, versus a rejection of an infinite intelligence and creator best described as love and goodness. Ideas of condemnation versus mercy and grace rigid ideas of creation versus an openness based on the realization that we will likely never understand how enormous and complex creation really is. It makes me consider that a great deal of the rejection of God in our culture originates when the lost encounter Christians whose beliefs and behavior do not resemble the love found in what Jesus taught as the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I personally don't think it's possible to over-explore what that means and what love actually is. It's abundantly clear that most of us Christians still get it wrong. As Christians, we have to understand that we're being watched. People are either turned toward Christ or are turned away from Christ by every action we exhibit and every word that comes from our mouths. The ideas of Christians turned Evan away from Christ. And through love, 
and some challenging but priceless experiences, God used Christians to draw Evan back to himself, opening the door to a true spiritual relationship that Evan just couldn't see before. Thank you for being with us today on A Stronger Faith. I pray that you continue to grow in your faith, just as I pray for my own. If you feel like God may be calling you to share your own faith experiences, please email us at connect at astrongerfaith.com or visit astrongerfaith.com to connect with us there. Until next time, I pray for peace for you and those you love.